Father God, we thank you for this, this community, this group of people who are meeting here this morning, um, both physically and virtually. We thank you that you have brought us together from many different backgrounds, uh, many different experiences of life, of faith, of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in this land at this time. Father, we thank you for your hand uh, upon us. We thank you for your spirit with us. Yeah. Um, and we thank you for John who has come and um, is providing um, a breath of fresh air in many different ways. Um, and we thank you for that. Father, I pray for him this morning that you'll uh, enable him to, um, to encourage us and challenge us, um, to build us up and to break us down where we need uh, to be changed. Yeah. Father, we pray that by your spirit, you will speak to um, your church here in Christ Church here this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Wait one minute just till I get back. You take your time, Andrew. Man like you shouldn't be rushing. <laughs> hey, good morning, everyone. Those of you in the room and those of you on Zoom, it's nice to be here. I always love that thing that techies do. You know, they say, I'm just going to make this really simple for you. So you just add my email address to your safe list, and everybody's going, safe list? What's, what's a safe list? I don't have a, do I have a safe list? Anyway, okay, brilliant, Andrew, brilliant. So, um, and yes, a photograph would be amazing, because I, I, I called three people the wrong name this morning, and that, that's only at the start of the service. Dear knows what I'll do afterwards. That would be really cool. If you could uplo upload a photograph, that would be great. Um, and it's kind of strange this morning because, in a way, um, Willem at the start of worship quoted those, that translation of Eugene Peterson about needing rest and so on. I have a really busy week. I did a wedding, and I spoke on four other occasions before I got here this morning. Three of those were at a weekend I've just been, I've just been involved in. And I was that far gone on Friday night that I left the conference and I went on my way home, went into Tesco's to do a bit of shopping. I went all the way around Tesco's and arrived at the till and realized I still had my name badge from the conference on, which was a bit embarrassing because we've been all the way around the shopping. And I was talking to a friend about it. She says, John, you do realize everybody probably thinks you've just come from a speed dating night. <laughs> so anyway, so that's the way my week has been, so if, if your week's been like mine, I'm hoping this is a moment of refreshment and renewal for us all. We're going to read from Acts chapter 2. This is a really well-known uh, passage. Uh, we're, we're just immediately after the experience of the Holy Spirit being given to the church on the day of Pentecost, and we're going to break into Acts chapter 2 at verse 42. This is God's Word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And the Lord will bless his truth to our hearts, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're thinking a little bit over these Sundays, last Sunday, today, and next Sunday, about uh, being renewed as a church. I, I think from the conversations I've had in the short time that I've, I've been among you, um, I've had lots of conversations which tend to suggest that everybody here thinks this is a, a moment for us as a fellowship 
that we need to make some important decisions and an awful lot depends on what those decisions are uh, and what the future looks like. So it's, it's an important moment. And so we've been thinking a bit about what it means to be renewed as a church. Last Sunday, we thought about what it would mean to be renewed in our worship. And then today, we're going to look at the fact that if we are to be the church of Jesus Christ, we need to be renewed in our existence as a community. And it's really interesting, in that passage we read just a few moments ago, in the aftermath of the day of Pentecost, Dr. Luke, who's writing the story in the book of the Acts, coins a word for the essence of community. It occurred three times in those verses. And I've been struck by the fact over the last few Sundays that although the guys leading worship, they knew what passage I was preaching on, they had no idea what I was going to say. It's been incredible how they have picked up the themes even before I got a chance to mention them because early on in one of the songs that, uh, that uh, Willem has just led us in, this word occurred prominently in the song. It is the word together. Cursed three times in the passage, together. That's the word Luke says that kind of typifies what Christian community means. Let me illustrate it like this. A number of years ago, um, I realized that I wasn't getting any younger and that as I got older, I was acquiring something I'd never had in the earlier days of my life, which was a little bit of weight. And so I thought I needed to do something. I had no regular exercise in my life um, because I wrecked both my knees in a motorcycle accident many years ago. I can't run. I hate swimming unless it's in the sea and that's a bit awkward to do when you live in Belfast. So I thought, what can I do? I'll take up cycling. As it happened, at the same time, a number of others in, in the church, other guys in church were taking up cycling. So we thought it'd be a good idea to get a bit of training. So we went to Madigan Cycle Club in Carrick, and they took us out for three Saturdays in a row and taught us basically how to look after ourselves on a bike. And it was really interesting from lots of points of view. But for me, it was fairly challenging. Okay, so the second day that we're out, we rode all the way from Carrick right down to Carnfunnock, uh, if you know it, along the coast, all right? And uh, you have to understand that before this point in time, the furthest I'd been in the bike was five miles. So this was massive for me. And when we were coming through Larne, I cramped up really badly. And I had to stop and get off the bike. And uh, one of the guys from the club, our instructors, if you like, stopped with me. And uh, he, said, uh, he said, what have you got in that water bottle? I thought the answer to that question is relatively straightforward. What would be in a water bottle? But water, I said, I've got water. And oh no, he said, that's no good, that's no good. Pour it out. So I, I poured it out. And he poured into it a, a strangely colored liquid. Now he said, drink that. So I drank a few mouthfuls. No, he said, drink about half of it. So I did, and uh, that was okay. I'm, I was able to get back on the bike. And we rode all the way to Carnfonnock, and I, I felt pretty good, you know. I'm, I'm, we're sitting down here, and we're enjoying a Mars bar and whatever. And, chatting and talking, but then it dawned on me, I have got to get back. I wonder, do I have the energy to get back? So uh, we were chatting and talking about this, and eventually the guy who had helped me, who had come off the bike, had helped me to get there, I said to him quietly, I said, to, like it's, you know, it's about 10 or 12 miles back, do you think I'll be able to make it? He said, we have a rule in the cycling club Everybody who comes out with us, we get home. That's community. Everyone who comes out with us, we get home. That's what community looks like. And in a way, that's what we're thinking about. That's what Dr. Luke's word together means. 
It means a group of people who get each other home. And I want to look just quickly at some of the things that, that he says here about that togetherness. You notice, first of all, in the text that what he says is that, first of all, this community of the church is together in need. We are together in need. Need is all around us. The point is that uh, it's not only in the obvious places where you think you see it. Sometimes it's in places covered up and you don't realize it's there. In our, in our church, amongst other things, we ran a uniform ministry where we supplied school uniforms to families who couldn't afford it. And most years, we would have supplied 70 to 80 families with a full set of uniforms, and if they needed it, sports gear and everything else as well. And uh, there was a, a free phone number that you could ring, and uh, you left a message there. It was entirely confidential, and at some point in the next few days, someone called at the door of your house with what you needed. And uh, I had a member of my congregation who had a serious motorcycle accident, and he was in the Royal Victoria Hospital in Belfast. And uh, he was in intensive care, and I went to visit him one day. And when I came in, I was sitting chatting with him for a while. And then the nurse who was in intensive care, there's usually a nurse specifically allocated to each patient, and the nurse who was with my friend came over, and she said, who's this? And he said, well, it's my minister. And she said, are you from Carnmoney Church? I said, yeah, you, I, need, I need to talk to you. She said, I need to say a really big thank you to you. I said, oh, why do you need to say thank you to me? Well, she said, um, turned out she was a Christian. She said, uh, my husband left me about 18 months ago. And she said, I've got two young kids. And uh, she said, to be honest with you, it's been such a struggle for me. Now, this is a highly qualified professional person working in a really significant job in a hospital. And she said, a friend of mine told me that your church had a school uniform uh, ministry. And she said, I rang the ministry. And she said, last week, somebody arrived at my door with two sets of school uniforms and some other things. And she said, getting those uniforms last week meant that I was able to feed my kids. You would have looked at that girl and you would never have thought that that was a situation of need. But it was. And there is need all around us. And the reality is that in the church of Jesus Christ, it should not be so among us. All the believers were together, Luke says, and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, when we read these verses, they're a bit scary, okay? I get that. Because our tendency when we read these verses is to emphasize the second part, the part about the shared resources. And that brings the hairs up on the back of your neck. You can think, really? I have to share my car with somebody? I, you know, I have to sell things I own? And um, yes, sometimes those things are required. And all sorts of questions come in around them about how should we respond to this and what should we be doing when we are in the world, in, in the terms of this world, a relatively well-off group of people. And many of those questions are legitimate, but sometimes I think our concentration on the second part of that sentence conveniently allows us to miss the first part of the sentence, which is actually the real challenge. 
The real challenge is about the first part. Our struggles over this passage are not about money or possessions. They are about not really being together in the first place. It's the together thing that's the challenge. I don't know, I don't know anything about climbing, okay? I admire people who do it. I think it's incredible, the bravery and courage, you know, to go up a sheer rock face with a few kind of metal pins nailed into the rock. And I, I don't know how anybody does it. It's incredible. But one of the things I notice if you watch television programs about climbers, if they're climbing in a group, they're always roped together. And it means if one person falls, there's a massive danger because the one person who falls could pull all the others with them. But there's also the possibility that if one person falls, the others take the strain and their life is saved. And that's what it means to be together. It's like a group of climbers roped together. If one falls, the others take the strain and hold them up. And that's what this passage is really saying. Forget about the money and the possessions part. Stop getting all screwed up and worried about that. Think about the together part. Are we actually like those climbers in the first place, or are we not? Are we truly together? Because that's what it means to be community. At the conference I was working at over the weekend, there was a minister there from Scotland who leads the organization who were running the event, and um, I, uh, we were chatting and talking at different times over the weekend. As I walked past him, his laptop was open, and on, the, on, on, on the, his, his kind of splash screen on his laptop was a picture, obviously, of his family. There was him and his wife, and there were two looked like grown-up boys in the photograph. And I said, is that your family? And he said, well, that's my wife. And he said, that's my son, my younger son. And he said, that's the boy who lives with us. And uh, he said, he works in a really, he's, he's, he's planted three churches in Glasgow. And all of those churches have been planted in really difficult areas of Glasgow. And the one that he's currently working in, which is the third of those churches, is in a particularly hard area. And this 16-year-old lad has been living now with his wife and his two sons for about a year. His family situation's dreadful. His friends are all the wrong friends. And they've taken him into their home, and he lives with them. And he said, it's a nightmare. He is basically feral. And he said, you know, he doesn't do times to come in or times to get up in the morning or anything else. And, and he said, uh, COVID uh, has been a nightmare because the schools have closed down. And so he said, he, he's getting himself into all the wrong kind of company, which he wouldn't be in if he was at school. And he said, it, it, it's been a nightmare. But he said, we've committed to this young lad and we're going to try to see if we can help him. That's what it looks like to be together. And that's what Luke is saying to us. This is the body of Christ. This is not a collection of disembodied limbs and organs. This is a body. It is a connected reality. And if you think about your own life, how that connection works... You know, sometimes when I cycle, I do get really bad cramp. I don't have to be cycling to get cramp. I can get it in bed at night. And it's a nightmare, and it's really sore when it comes. And it's usually in, 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 in the ball of my leg at the back. And if I'm on the bike, I never really want to stop. 
So I keep writing, but what I do is I, I, I put my hand down and I kind of massage the back of my leg while I'm writing. And usually that helps. So when one part of the body gets in trouble, what do you do? Another part of the body aims to sort it out. That's what it means to be together. We are together in need. There's need all around us. It doesn't always appear on the surface, but people who are together will be there in that need for whoever it is. Together in need, that's the first thing. Second thing is to be together in person. To be together in person. Um, I went to a concert last night. Our, our venue downtown in Belfast, um, where, uh, where Central meets um, in the old May Street Church, um, one of the things that we do there is we make the church available for, uh, as an arts venue, and there are small concerts held there in Belfast. There are large venues, and they're very, very small venues. There's nothing kind of in between. But that church building kind of facilitates on the ground floor about 200 to 300 people. Um, well, once the COVID regulations disappeared, well, and, and so it's an ideal venue. The acoustics are amazing. The Victorians knew how to build buildings that had really good acoustics. And so it's amazing, especially for, especially for acoustic music. And I went to a concert there last night by a young American um, folky country kind of singer. And uh, it, it, was, it was amazing, really enjoyed the night. It was fantastic. Um, but I, I watched some videos of her on YouTube before I went because I didn't know her. I didn't know her music. It's just my son thought that I would probably like it, and so that was okay. And, and so I listened to a few videos before I went, and they were really good, but I can tell you now, they were nothing like being in the room when she picked that guitar up, open-tuned it, and then played it. It was amazing. And however good a hi-fi you have at home, it, nothing comes close to a live performance, to being in the room with somebody. And that's what Luke is talking about here. He says in verse 46, every day they continued to meet together, there's that word again, in the temple courts. They were together in person. Now, I'm not getting at anybody who's on Zoom this morning. We're glad that you're there, okay? But talking in the roundabout what church is meant to be. We all accept we're living in exceptional circumstances right now. But what is part of our togetherness? Part of our togetherness is being together in person. And Jesus started this, didn't he? He gave himself to 12 people in particular, and he spent three years with them. He barely left them alone during that time. They ate together, they walked together, they worked together, they slept together. He was with them in person all the time. And he called them into that kind of community. And because he was with that 12 in particular, it meant that for him to be with them, they had to be together as well. Which meant they couldn't be with others. Andrew and Peter, James and John, left the family business, followed Jesus. They beached their boats. This is what Luke says. They beached their boats, left everything, and followed Christ. To be together with him, they couldn't be together with some other people. That was the way that it works. And little wonder, therefore, that the New Testament uses intimate words to describe the togetherness we have in the church. One of them is in this passage. The word that is translated fellowship, which is a word that occurs fairly often in the New Testament, referring to the community of the church, that is a really intimate word that normally applies to the relationship between a husband and a wife. 
fellowship. This is like the partnership. The togetherness we experience in church is meant to be like the partnership of marriage. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. There's a togetherness that we share, which is a togetherness in person. We need to be together as people. Now, I know that we apply that sense of intimacy to our relationship with Jesus. That we have a, a relationship with him which is, which is meant to be open and full and free. But the point is, we don't relate to Jesus in isolation. It's not just Jesus and me. It's always Jesus and us. And that's the only basis on which he relates to us. He doesn't offer us some kind of, you know, one or two of us get the special privilege we get face to face and nobody else does. It's always Jesus and us. And that means that our relationship with him cannot be in isolation. It can only be together. One of the greatest privileges of my life was my 19 years in Carnmoney. At a time in life when I was a, it was a, it was a young man's job, like, you know, not a man of my age's job, the energy and all the rest of it required to keep sharp, keep ahead of all of these sharp young people. Believe me, it, it takes a lot out of you. But I come out of my office on a Sunday morning at 25 past nine to walk downstairs to the coffee bar for the 9.30 worship. And the place was a buzz with conversation. So many people there, seats were right out into the corridor, right out to the front doors of the halls complex. Couldn't get them all into the coffee bars, but 150 people there. There's kids all over the place. There's noise. You know, I can't get to the front without having five or ten conversations with people on the way up. And then we finish that, and half an hour later, I walk into the other venue, and there's 600 people there, and all the kids and family that they have with them. There's a buzz of excitement. All these faces, I look around, and unlike your faces, some of which I've only seen half-masked, I knew virtually every single one of them. I could name them all. They knew me. We were together in person. That's what it means to be community. It's what it means to be church. And sometimes we, we miss the awe and wonder of it, of these faces that you've worshipped God with. Some of you have worshipped God for the whole 20 years or so of the life of this fellowship and you've seen these faces nearby you on a Sunday. Others have come more recently. Others like me are completely new blow-ins. No virtually no one. But look at these faces. Look at these people. This is the body of Christ. You know, that thing that sometimes babies do, you know, when they're young. It's one of those things that my wife used to love when our children were growing up. Is that moment when a child notices its hand for the first time. You know? He's kind of sitting there, whoa, what was that which just went past my face? And then they look at it and they study it. And, and you'd think that they were looking at some incredibly amazing, wonderful creation. What on earth is that amazing thing there that I'm looking at? It's my hand. And that's kind of how we should be looking at each other. We are the body of Christ. We look around the room, we look at faces, we look at people, and we should be thinking, whoa. I get to do life with these guys. I get to do church with these guys. Because to do church is to be together in person. That's who we are. When we are going to take communion in a minute or two, 
I know, well, I, I don't know, because I've never done communion with you before. It's going to be a new experience for me. But I'm guessing that you're like virtually every other fellowship I've ever had communion in, which is when we come to the bread and wine bit, everybody closes their eyes and bows their heads. And we take it like this is a solitary, alone thing. I'm here with God, and this is it. I want you to try something a bit different this morning. Why don't you keep your eyes open and look around you? Because in your hands, you have the symbols of the body of Christ. But you are sitting in the body of Christ. You are looking at the body of Christ all around this room. So why don't you keep your eyes open today? Have a look around you. Together in person. Finally, together in devotion. Being together to follow our love is a common human phenomenon. I don't know whether I should mention rugby this morning because I'm guessing the Ulster rugby guys are going to be in mourning, so I, I, I didn't mention rugby, okay. I can't mention football either because my son-in-law sports at Lens and he didn't have a good day yesterday. Uh, but you know what I mean? When we love something, we like to go to it together. You know, it might just be four friends on a golf course. Why anybody wants to play that game, I have no idea. But anyway, whatever it is, okay, if you love something, then you want to be with it together with other people who love it too. And we have that in church. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Ate together, there's that word again. Ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. When you love something or someone, you love to be together to celebrate that person or that thing. Last Tuesday would have been my wife, my wife Christine's birthday. So on Tuesday evening, the, my four children and myself got together with a caterpillar birthday cake from Marsh and Spencer's. And we cut the cake and we had a little bit of celebration together and we told stories and we remembered. Because that's what you do. For birthdays, you all get together, you know, because that's what it feels like. You, you love the person, whoever it is, whose birthday it is. You come with gifts and presents, and uh, you tell stories, and you remember. And Jesus gave us a meal to do this very thing. Jesus says, I'll, I'll say these words in a moment or two. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And when we read those words, the English language gives us a problem. Because in the English language, when, when you say, you do this, the word you could be singular, you could be talking to one person, or it could be plural, you could be talking to everybody in the room. In the Greek language in which the New Testament is written, you always know whether the word you is singular or plural, because it's a different form of the word. But in English, it's not. It's the same word. And so we often read these texts and we read the word you as if it were singular. But many, many times in the New Testament, it's not. It's plural. It's referring to everyone. And in, when Jesus said these words, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. It's not singular. It's plural. When you all, in fact, we, the, the Ulster colloquialism would be a good use in the New Testament. It should say use. When Jesus said, when you drink it, remember me. Communion is a community activity. The clue is in the word. Communion is a community activity. It's something you can only do with other people. We do it together. 
I love the Lord. I want to do this, but so do you. Some of you maybe love the Lord more than me. For him, you've given up more than I've ever given up. You've served longer than I've served. You've asked him for less than I've asked him for. But here in this place, it makes no difference. It's all of us. Together, we are all part of the devoted community. We share one thing in common. There may be loads of other things that we do not have in common, but we share one thing together in common in this room and on Zoom this morning. We are devoted to Christ. We love the Lord. That's why we're here. And what we are about to do in his company is you plural. It's yous, not you. We are together in our devotion. The word together. Together in need. When we're truly together, the need thing will never be an issue because we will respond to it without a second thought. Together in person. We need to see one another's faces. We need to gather like this and make a habit of it because this is the body of Christ. We need to see that body manifest. We are together in devotion. We love the Lord, and it doesn't matter whether some of us love him more than others. It's our love for him that brings us here. Why does this matter? Because we can be church without getting excited about community, can't we? We can do the stuff we do. We can get on with things. Why does this actually matter? It's really interesting. that After, after Luke, Dr. Luke deals with all this, the next sentence says this, and the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved. Sometimes we think we're not seeing people come to faith in Christ. We're not impacting the community out there outside us because there's something wrong with our evangelism. And that could be true. But actually, Dr. Luke is hinting at the fact here that what might really be the problem is not so much our evangelism, but the community we do or don't have in the church. Would anybody want to belong to this? Would anybody see among us here something they don't see out there in the world that would make them hunger for that and want to be a part of it? And then maybe if we want to make a real impact on the community in which we're based here, on the world outside us, the network of friends that we have, if we want to make a real impact on them, maybe what we actually need to do is ask God the Holy Spirit to come and form among us a community that everybody else will want to belong to. Because we are actually together. So before we come now in a moment or two to lift the bread and the wine into our hands and to eat and drink it together at the table of the Lord, have you done anything to hurt this community? Is there somebody here you need to apologize to? Is there somebody here you need to, need, you need to make the offer of help to? Is there somebody here that uh, you need to share a bit more with and be more open with? Is there some way that because of the things we do as individuals, we can be more together as the people of God? Because if there is, this might be a moment to do it, not just for our sake, but for the sake of the world for which Jesus died and the generation we need to win. Let's pause for prayer.
Father, we thank you and bless you for what it means to be part of the body of Christ. And we confess that we have no right to be here, that all is only of your grace and your love and mercy in Jesus. We give you thanks, O God, for all that he has done for us. We thank you for this community of your people. We bless you, Lord, for how you call them together. And we thank you for all that you have been seeking to do in them and through them over the years. But at this particular moment of time, Lord, we pray for a new spirit of togetherness. Open our hearts, not just to you, but to one another. Help us, O oh God, in this place to experience what the love of Christ looks like in the faces and the responses of the other people in your body. And then take us, Lord, broken and sinful though we are, take us and mold us in such a way that we will become an effective instrument of witness here and wherever we go. We ask this in your name. Amen. Okay, we're going to, as a response to what I've been thinking about, and actually the way that this fell from